I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as foils attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Amazing about it, I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott. Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! Hello there. It's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcastum, coming to you with your weekly Nerd Alert. Thank you for tuning in once again uh, and putting up with our shenanigans and goings-on. We like to think that our shenanigans are fun shenanigans, uh, not mean and hateful shenanigans. Evil shenanigans. And this has been my TED Talk about shenanigans. (laughs) Joining me this week, as always, (laughs) since you already jumped the gun, uh, joining us from somewhere in time and space via a time travel device that may or may not be a converted DeLorean, it's the Doc. When this baby hits 88 miles an hour, you're going to see some serious shit. You spent all week on it with that catchphrase? Yeah. It's been a rough (laughs) week, all right? It's fine, buddy. It's fine. Middle schoolers are no joke, man. No, 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 they are not. Good Lord. I have not had so many just idiotic arguments in my life than teaching middle schoolers. Well, I'm going to use that clip because this show is all about idiotic arguments. (laughs) And the man who keeps us straight on our facts for those idiotic arguments, the man who keeps the nerd in the Tot Nerdy To Me Network, uh he's the ghostwriter of this network because he can walk in both worlds and by that i mean our show and the other show ladies and gentlemen my stalwart right hand man the sancho sancho panza there we go i forgot words <laughs> to my don quixote commander scott i keep telling you windmills are not giants but you don't stop know that stop tilting at them you're gonna get hurt they're asking for it look at them they're taunting us <laughs> And they shall taunt you a second time, okay? They're French, they're French windmills. <laughs> they're the worst <laughs> kind. <laughs> you silly English knigget. So, something popped up in my feed yesterday, Maybe. actually, uh, that I just had to share. I'm sorry, because this is just cool as hell. Okay. Uh, did you know <laughs> that chainsaws were invented uh, as a medical tool for... Childbirth. What? Do what now? Yeah. Chainsaws were invented as a medical tool for childbirth. Jesus. Now, hang on. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking because the the same images popped into my head and I had to look. So back before C-sections were a thing, before you could do the cesarean, it was invented. There was a procedure. I mean, the procedure still exists. It's just not used anymore. 
um, called, uh, see if I can get this right, <clears throat> a simp physiotomy. Okay? I think that's what it is. So, if the baby was too large or was a breech birth and got stuck in the birth canal, what the doctor would have to do is use a knife to cut away tissue and part of the pelvic bone to make thing larger. And of course, this is during childbirth. This is on the fly, so there is no anesthesia. Oh. So, and it took a long and grueling time to do this. So in order to make the procedure quicker and more humane, they invented a small tool about the size of, uh, well, I mean, you, you saw it, the, uh, the surgical chainsaw in uh, Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. You know, it looked like a mini chainsaw. Mm-hmm. It looked like a small version. So, yeah, the original is just a little smaller than that, and it was operated by a hand crank. And it was made to make that procedure go faster so they could get through it quicker. No, 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 sir. That that sounds like a medieval torture device. It does look like the dildo from hell. Hoofda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Hiram Maxim thought machine guns would bring an end to war. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. We're going to miss just a bit outside. <laughs> very true. He did. Well, thank you, Scott, for making us all squirm in our seats. Yep. <clears throat> I thought you were going to say a surgical device for amputations, and I was going to make a, so Evil Dead is really uh, uh, um, historically accurate, but uh, you went a whole different direction with that. I didn't go a whole different direction with it. History went a whole different direction. Sorry, sorry. that went a whole different direction than I thought <laughs> it was going to. Yeah. Whew. Okay. So well, anyway. No easy transition to that. So welcome to Nerd Alert. <laughs> We're just going to hard shift gears, uh, crunch the uh, the clutch there. That's what it sounds like as we're shifting. Uh, we forgot to pump the clutch. Uh, Mandalorian Season 2 exists. How awesome is that? Yes, and it is. <laughs> uh, at the time of this recording, we've been able to watch two brand new episodes. Uh, by the time this airs, there'll be a third one, but we haven't seen it yet. So shut up, spoilers. Uh, speaking of which... If you haven't watched episode one yet, A, why the fuck are you listening to a show called Nerd Alert? Uh, and B, uh, stop listening to us because we're about to spoil the fuck out of it. Uh, we're not going to review the episode, but we're going to talk about arguably the most important thing to come out of episode one of season two of The Mandalorian. It's called The Marshal. Um, and it's going to springboard into our larger topic today. But first of all, what did you guys think of episode one? Everybody agree it's the uh, best thing ever since sliced bread? Is chainsaw it? sliced bread? Yeah. <laughs> Medical chainsaws. That's a callback joke. <laughs> um, there's so many things about this episode that I really loved. Uh, one of them was getting to see a crate dragon. Yes. Finally. That was I, badass. Well, a living one. A living one. Right. Um, and... I'm just going to throw out that this crate dragon was much larger than the one that we see the skeleton of uh, in A New Hope. At least I think there are some, there, it is. It definitely is. They uh, Someone has a comment about, uh, I think it's Cobb Vance, uh, says that that's, that's, they're doing the model, and it says it doesn't look to scale. And, and Man is like, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
there are some fan theories uh, already going around about uh, that that dragon may have more of a role uh, in Star Wars lore than we know. That we might not have seen the last of that because there is another Star Wars Disney Plus series uh, coming down the pipeline. Some character called Obi Wan Kenobi. I never heard of him. Um, He's a, he's but a there is character from the. There is a story in uh, Star Wars Myths and Legends, which is a, a book of myths and legends from within the Star Wars universe. Um, it includes like stories about the Black Spire and Galaxy's Edge. But one of them, oh, excuse me, one of them, uh, in fact, the cover art for the book is is this story is called the Knight and the Dragon. Do you see where I'm going with that? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. Google Star Wars Myths and Legend Knight and Dragon. Look at the image. You'll see exactly where I'm going. So that if if that is, in fact, the same Crate Dragon, uh, we may not have seen the last of it. Well, um, of course, you know, seeing the Crate Dragon is awesome. But one thing that I loved seeing uh, a little bit more than the dragon itself was the pearls. Yeah. <laughs> Which goes to show you that, that both John, John Favreau and uh, Dave Filoni are old school Star Wars nerds. That they're bringing back in from old EU what they can. Now, whether the pearls in the new EU still have a lightsaber connection or not, we don't know yet. But the pearls exist, and I thought pearls that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. But I would say my favorite thing about this episode. Had to be the Fet Man's armor. Yeah, that's that's, armor was good. Jump right to it. So first of all, Cobb Banth is a new, uh, new favorite character of mine, and is before the episode was even done, I was trying to Google how much a Boba Fett armor costs because I wanted to cosplay Cobb Banth. <laughs> that will not be happening. Uh, <laughs> At least not now, but uh, it's on the Sunday list. I love that character. But uh, yeah, what most people will, will take away from that, because they may not remember his name, is that uh, the Marshal himself is wearing Boba Fett's armor. And what that means for the larger Star Wars universe is really what we're here to talk about. Um, uh, yes. Uh, focusing on Cobb Vanth, a lot of people don't realize he's already had his own spinoff series. Uh, it's called Justified. Uh, <laughs> In a galaxy very, very close, in not gal- so long yes. away. So it's, a, it's a prequel series. Man. And there's a prequel to that um, called Deadwood. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> goes all the way back to the Old West. Uh, I, uh, wow, my mind is one blank. I can't think of the actor's name now. Uh, Timothy Oliphant has made yeah. a very good career playing cowboys. Uh, no matter what era or universe, he plays a damn good cowboy. He does. Beautifully so. I think he was the only thing wouldn't really pay attention to that episode because <laughs> the Boba Fett armor pulled off. And I'm like, look, look, and she goes, yeah, he's a Mando. I'm like, look at the armor. It's like, yeah, it's Mandalorian armor. I'm like, oh my god. But then he takes the helmet off and was, oh, he's not a real. Oh, hello, who are you? I'm like, okay, she's gone. We've lost her. Not that I blame her. Timothy Elephant's dreamy as hell. But yeah, so we meet the the. Mando is is roundabout heads back to Tatooine because he's told there's a Mandalorian there. He tracks him down to this little rundown town. 
which I feel like is every town in Tatooine. Um, and we meet the marshal, whose name is Cobb Vanth, who, as you know, when we see him the very first time, is wearing Boba Fett's scarred and beat up Mandalorian armor. Yes. Um, and uh, and first time we actually see Fett's missile fire. It does yeah. fire. Another does. another EU reference. Um, not only does it fire, but two things. One, if you'll notice, when Cobb Vanth fires it, he bends at the waist. Uh-huh. Now, when I first saw this, I, I, I thought, why the hell is he bending at the waist? I mean, it, it doesn't. It just seems awkward. I mean, the the targeting and guidance system should you should be looking at your target, and it should fire more of an up and then come down wherever you need it to. Uh-huh. Uh, but I found out later that him bending at the waist is an homage that John Favreau put in, and 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 of the uh, the the commercial of uh, the the original missile firing fit toy. Because mm-hmm. remember the commercial, he the the, the the figure just bends ninety degrees at the waist because there's like one point of articulation. <laughs> yeah. So it's literally it's literally Timothy Oliphant acting like the Boba Fett toy. It was pretty uh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah, um, what you said earlier about Favreau and Filoni being longtime Star Wars nerds, uh, every time they throw a reference like that, it feels like that's one for the, the hardcore fans. You'd be like, yeah, there's maybe like 12 people who are going to get this reference, but those people are going to lose their mind. Like like in uh, season one, episode one, when I, uh, the, the the bounty man knows picking up talks about... Uh, i to be home in time for life. Most Star Wars fans aren't going to get that, but those of us who have our bootleg copies of the holiday special we're like, what? Oh, that's canon now. Uh, yeah. Which brings us to our larger topic today, which we keep getting to and then circling around again just because I think we all just want to talk about how much we love Mando. Right. Uh, but we will get to that, I promise. When, when season two is done, we'll do a whole episode on season two. But specifically this episode, not only do we see that man, uh, Boba Fett's armor survived, which, as Commander Scott will testify, if you're doing your homework, you already knew. This is not new information. Do you want to uh, elaborate on that, Scott? It's been around since 2015. Um, so, depicted in the show, Cobb Vanth comes across the armor um, in a, uh, a Jawa sandcrawler. Um, Correct. However... The circumstances of these events have been retconned with that show because it was uh, the, the, this situation first occurred uh, in the, uh, the the 2015 novel Aftermath. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so in the novel, and, and we see a version of these events play out in a flashback in the episode, but they're different. In the novel in 2015, Cobb Vanth is with a character named uh, Charu, who is a representative of uh, the the Red Key quote-unquote mining company. It's basically a, a, um, a syndicate. <clears throat> and they're in the process of trying to move into Tatooine, uh, in fact, all the syndicates are trying to move into Tatooine uh, to pick up the power vacuum left by uh, Jabba the Hutt being killed. 
And uh, so Cobb Vant, he's not getting anywhere with the Jawas. He's trying to purchase droids and equipment and weapons, and he can't get anywhere. <clears throat> and so Cobb Vant uh, introduces himself and volunteers to basically act as a representative because uh, Charu doesn't know that the, the Jawas deal mainly on rapport. You have to build a rapport with a specific clan of Jawas before they'll deal with you. And so he does. He, 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 he hops in. Uh, and they start doing their back and forth thing, and uh, they they take him to the back and show him the things, and and he literally in a box. Charu is the one that sees the armor, and he's like, "Oh wow, that's Mandalorian armor and stuff." You know, he says, I, I'll, "I'll take that too. Uh, I'd like to, to." He wanted to take that back to the the leader of uh, of uh, of Red Key, and. Uh, <clears throat> That sees it, of course, and he basically says, yeah, no, nah, I'm going to take that, actually. Uh, I'm the, the sheriff of uh, Mos Mas, uh, what is it? Mas Pelgo. Pelgo, thank you. Um, and I'm currently trying to bring law back to the lawless. And so he and, and Charu draw down on each other, and uh, he, he wins the draw, shoots him in the shoulder, and takes the armor. So... That's the main that that as far as that's the only retcon that's in this. Well, <clears throat> yes. Um, okay, so you are, and I'm, I'm not disagreeing. What you said is that's exactly how aftermath tells the story. There is now a theory floating around that that may still be canon because when we see Cobb Vance's story of getting the armor in Mando, it's him telling that to Din Djarin. Yes. He, he so could be altering the, the story. Yeah, the theory is he's making up a better sounding version of the story, trying to sway Mando and to let him keep the armor. Which, ultimately, the episode, he doesn't. That being said, I have a distinct feeling by the end of this season... Din's going to be handing that armor back to him. He'd be like, hey, I need you to suit up one more time because they got a job to do. Um, I just have a feeling that's going to happen. Uh, the whole hope you, our paths cross again thing at the end of this episode felt like way too much of a setup to not get some payoff. Uh, but that's all conjecture. So that may not necessarily be a retcon. It could just be him altering his story to try to gain some sway with, with uh, Mando uh, to try to keep the armor. I'm yeah. going to call him Mando because calling him by his real name just feels wrong. I, I agree. His name is Mando. <laughs> First name is Agent. <clears throat> yeah. But, uh, yeah, but no, you're completely correct. That, right. that could be it. But the retcon, and this is where Scott's going to roll his eyes. Uh, the retcon we're here to talk about is the very last like 10 seconds of this episode. Uh, because if you are someone who only watches Star Wars movies, this is a huge retcon. <clears throat> Boba Fett is alive. Yay! Well, so I got two points here. <laughs> Just two? Just two. <laughs> okay. Points. No, that's so fine. First and foremost, I'm going to get this out of the way. Okay. And I'm going to preface this with the fact uh, that I, I completely agree that that reveal at the end of um, whatever his name is, I can't remember the actor. 
No, nobody. Oh, okay. uh, Tamura Morrison. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I wasn't sure what actor you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Timon and Pumbaa. Um, <laughs> I completely yeah. agree that that entire reveal. Uh, he he's supposed to be Boba Fett. I get it, and I agree with it. However, <clears throat> that is an assumption on our part. There is nothing in that episode that confirms that is Boba Fett. There were literally tens of thousands of clones of Jango Fett made. So the but, possibility exists yeah. that could no, be... Let, let, him, let him finish, clones. John. Let him, let him finish. Yeah. Let him fin- no, <sighs> go ahead. That's the fine. clones have accelerated aging boba does not yes look at the age of rex at this timeline look at the age of what boba would be yeah yeah but the the clones had accelerated growth maturity after that they age normally if they didn't they would all be dead within like two years of old age They had accelerated growth to maturity only. But still, even if they did have accelerated growth to maturity, you're talking about a clone. So let's say the last of the clones was created. So if you're saying the youngest clone was created sometime after Order 66, right? Yeah. Okay. So now you've got to add on... The fact that he's matured, so now you're going to add on what? 30 more years? No. No, episode 3 is 15 years before the Battle of Yavin. 15 or 16 years BBY. Okay, so then... Mando is 9 years ABY. Alright, so you're still talking... Would you say fifteen and nine, so twenty-four years? Yeah. So you're saying that, but then you've got some fresh clone that somehow ends up on Tatooine who turns around menacingly after seeing one of his yeah. seeing a Mandalorian fly off I, with I guess. Mandalorian armor. Like, That's why I, I preface this with: I firmly believe that is Boba Fett. So do I. I'm not, I'm not arguing it's not. All I'm saying is we are making a meta assumption. But I think that was the goal was for us to make that assumption. But there is nothing in that episode that definitively states, yes, this is Boba Fett. I'm, I'm just stating what we know versus what we believe. There, there, there's a difference between those two things. Well, okay, now that Scott's done being a wet blanket, Boba Fett's alive! <laughs> yes. Yeah, Boba, Fett's alive. Boba Fett's always going to be alive. They're not going to not bring that character back. Uh, but that's... Well, and, and, and this is this is the sticking point I thought you'd give us. is Yes, <laughs> Boba Fett's been resurrected multiple times. Um, the old EU had him escaping the Sarlacc pit. Uh, Aftermath, yeah. the novel, confirmed his armor was still around. Yeah. Um, but this is... <clears throat> And I don't care what Scott says. That's fucking Boba Fett. No, that's uh, not, I, I agree. It's Fett. I'm just saying we don't uh, know that. Because the, the other explanation would be it's the clone trooper, and why does that matter to the story? I, um, I don't know. It's not Rex, so no one cares, because he's the only clone we care about is Rex. I get that. Um, just, just, which just I hope... To the point. 
<laughs> I hope they slap a big white beard on Tamara Morrison to make him be Rex at some point this season. Um, but so, so again, if you're someone who is following with the new uh, continuity of Star Wars, because there is a new continuity since Disney bought it. Um, so all your old comics and novels and shit and video games, it, it doesn't count. Just throwing them right the fuck out. Uh, so we now have once again confirmation that Boba Fett did escape the Sarlacc pit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, he looks a little worse for the wear from it. But that being said, um, if you're someone who only watches the movies, you thought he was gone. Just like the people who watched Solo and were very confused as to why Darth Maul was around. And us nerds were like, watch the cartoons. Um, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> back. Very much so. Uh, the people that I went to see yeah. that movie with were like, what? I'm like, you don't watch Clone Wars, do you? <laughs> or Rebels. Or Rebels. He's, he's or Rebels. been back for a while. Um, but also, and this is the reason why I wanted to start by making that point, of you have to go with what you know, not what you believe, is there is nothing in Return of the Jedi that states that Boba Fett died. But. Nothing. nothing. But. If you're just a fan of the movies and you're watching the movie and you see uh, go into the this Sarlacc. bounty hunter go into the Sarlacc pit, yeah. the pit yeah. for for everything you know, at that point in time, he is going to die. Is yeah. he dead right then and there? No, yes. because you're digested, blah, 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 blah. But... So the term retcon is retroactive continuity. Yes. His presence of being alive does not retroactively uh, dis, uh, uh, discount any previous continuity. This is not a retcon. It is It is if you... No! If, he's, if you think he's dead. The last time you saw the character... You could think he has daisies coming out of his butt under his pants for all I care. It's not continuity. His death well, actually, in the Star Wars novel... So we covered novels. <laughs> An assumption in, is not continuity. In Boba Fett, the early years, we learn he has a weird <laughs> affiliation for Daisy's up his ass. <laughs> Sorry. He's dead. No! It, the goal was for him to be dead. He's dead. No! No. Sorry. No. Okay, okay. Look, look. All I'm going to say is, in the Sarlacc sequence in Return of the Jedi, the threat is fall into Sarlacc bad equals death. So we're trying to get out of it. That's why we're knocking the bad guys in and we're trying to make sure Lando doesn't come in or fall into it and, and you know, shoot yeah. the thing off his leg. And Okay, so again, Scott's correct. We never saw a dead corpse and as always... Uh, with any fictional work, unless you see the dead body, and sometimes even then, uh, no one's dead. Well, and and even 3PO goes into the whole translation of, you will be slowly digested over a thousand years. This is not instant death. Not I get it. that. Yeah, they but would again, die before a thousand years anyway. I, well, I have, a re I have an answer for that, too. But it's, it's Does old. the stomach acid keep you alive, too? The Sarlacc does keep his victims alive. Uh, well, but that's old EU. It's not new canon. 
That's okay. old canon, not new canon. Again, but, from the writer's perspective, fall into pit equals death. Don't do it. It's bad. It's bad, okay? Don't do it. But, but, <laughs> Sarlacc, bad. Sand, good. Is, this does not retcon anything. There is nothing in Return of the Jedi that is changed because of him being alive. Fair no. argument. Fair argument. Okay. All right, Scott. Okay. Oh All right. He's not going to let this one go. Here's, <laughs> no, here, no, here's what's changed. Okay. What changed? In the, in the continuity of Star Wars, uh-huh. Boba Fett is in the Sarlacc pit. Obviously not. We just saw him out of it. So it's retconned. No, this is the continuation of that continuity. No, because no, in order to, the continuity, in order to have, the continuity oh. that we know that yeah. we are working with yep. is that Boba Fett is being digested over a thousand years because yep. he was put into the Sarlacc pit. That yep. that is his storyline. The storyline, yes. Up now he's out. Now he's out. Exactly. Now so, he's out. So no. it's retroactively what? changing the continuity. No. It's continuing the continuity. What no, con- up to that point? So, so what changed? Continuing the continuity would be just like at the end of Mando season season two episode one, we cut to Sarlacc pit and Boba Fett just throws up a pair of deuces. That would be continuing that same continuity. No, this is continuing the same continuity. He's not in the Sarlacc pit, so it's exactly. not exactly. He got out. So it's new continuity. No, it's not. (laughs) Hey, remember at the top of the hour when Jay was talking about stupid arguments with seventh graders? No, 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 no. Okay, so okay, so so what you're saying? Hang on. So what you're saying is uh, that, like, uh, going into Star Wars Episode Two, Attack of the Clones, when we see Anakin Skywalker for the first time. That's a retcon. No, that's a retcon. He was on the course to being a Padawan. No, no, because the last time we saw him at the end of episode one, he was a kid about nine years old. So, obviously him being a lot older in the next movie, that's a retcon. No, that's that's just him growing up. No, we know he was a kid. We saw it. Okay, okay, okay. Stop. You guys are arguing in circles. We get it. Boba Fett being alive, not necessarily a retcon, as it is a reveal. Exactly. And that's fine, because sometimes the I've got one on my list that you can make the exact same argument. It's not really a retcon. Is it a retcon? Uh, it's a retcon from a certain point of view, because, you know, I'm going to say that a lot this episode. Uh, but that's fine. <laughs> That was only meant to be a springboard into the actual topic. <laughs> there is, there is so, nothing in this that changes anything. Nothing. Yeah, we will agree to disagree, Scott. Let's move there's, on. There's no disagreement. You can't disagree with it. It has a, that's like that's like telling me that that that, that plastic is really concrete. Scott, we'll, it's 2020, and people can choose their facts. Okay, we'll agree to disagree. No, I'm not agreeing to disagree. <laughs> it does Too not meet the definition of the word. We're moving anyway, on. Anyway, <laughs> so like Scott pointed out earlier, retcon means retroactive continuity. It's when you go back and change something. 
in a story already in progress. Uh, it's notorious for happening in comic books, and I've got some examples from that. Uh, but it also happens in movie franchises. When your franchise is around long enough, you're going to see some retcons. Whether they're small things, big things, giant things, good things, terrible things, ugly things. That's what a retcon is. That's what we're here to talk about the rest of the show is... Examples of good, bad, and ugly retcons, and uh, talking about uh, things like um, when should you use a retcon, how much should you retcon, is there a level of retcon that's okay, is there a point where you cross the line, Uh, are they just cheap, is it the literary equivalent of fixing it in post, Uh, that's what we're here to discuss today, so moving on, Mando, (laughs) Uh, I want to jump into... Uh, give my first example because I have so the way I wrote this is I literally have a column of good and bad and this one is on both sides of that because it started out awesome and then it just kind of spun its wheels forever Um, from the world of comic books uh, where death is never permanent unless you're Uncle Ben uh, (laughs) this is uh, a sort of more recent one uh there are very few characters who were ever allowed to stay dead. One of those characters for quite a long time, I think almost almost 20 years, maybe a little over 20 years, was Jason Todd, the second Robin, um, who took over after Dick Grayson graduated and became Nightwing. Uh, Jason Todd was the second Robin who fans grew out of love with and then voted via telephone 1-800 number to have get killed off by the Joker. And for many, many years, the death of Jason Todd was one of the biggest black marks on Batman's record. It literally haunted him. Uh, he had Jason Todd's outfit in, in, in a little shrine in the Batcave. It was that thing that you know was always in the back of his mind. Um, hey, people can die. Being a superhero uh, crime fighter has, has stakes. It can cost you everything. And then in like the early 2000s, because writers wanted to, we brought them back to life Uh, because no one ever stays dead in comics Uh, through early on through uh, the hush storyline where it was teased that Jason Todd might still be alive. And then that was retconned to be, no, that wasn't really Jason Con. That was just Clayface fucking with you, Batman. Um, <laughs> so that's a retcon within a retcon. Sorry. Uh, in the novel Under the Red Hood, the graphic novel written by Judd Winnick, uh, we found the real story of how Jason Todd came back from the dead. I won't go into the reasons why, because it's convoluted, because comics are confusing. But Jason Todd came back, uh, and not only was he back alive, but he had a cool new persona as the Red Hood. He was sort of emo Batman. Um, he, he had got a second chance at life. He was going to do, take the skills he had and use them to, to fight crime his own way. Uh, he was sort of Batman meets the Punisher. And for a while it was really cool. It was Batman's biggest failure, literally being spit right back in his face. Uh, the fights Batman has with Jason Todd are fantastic. Uh, it's somebody who knows the complete ins and outs of Batman and the Batcave and Alfred and everything and using all that against Batman. It's someone taking all the skills Batman gave him and flipping them on their head and, and sort of perverting Batman's mission. It was a really cool, really interesting character for a few years. And then very quickly, and this is what puts him in the bad category, um, they kind of ran out of ideas of what to do with Jason Todd. 
became just another random member of the Bat family. Um, we made him a little edgier. He carries guns. Um, and, and he's, he's a more, uh, chip on his shoulder version of Batman. Uh, they haven't done a whole lot of interesting things with the character for a long time. Um, including, go ahead. Not to mention the fact that this character and that storyline gets, uh, pulled into every possible media that DC controls for the next 10 years. Yep. Uh, we got an animated adaptation of the graphic novel, which isn't bad. Uh, it, it definitely, it, it itself is a retcon of a retcon of a retcon. Um, yeah. cause it changes the way Jason Todd comes back for a third time. Um, then there's the, uh, um, Titans TV series season three. They're going to have Jason Todd become red hood, even though he hasn't been killed by the Joker yet. So a retcon of a retcon of a retcon of a retcon. Um, he's in video games. <laughs> he's fucking everywhere. Um, just, just, uh, Arkham Knight, the whole twist for Arkham Knight was Arkham Knight is really Red Hood. Who's really Jason Todd. They literally created a new persona called Arkham Knight to have it be Jason Todd. The whole big mystery of the, sorry if I'm spoiling a game from however many years ago, that's fucking dog trashed anyway. Uh, yeah, the big spoiler of Batman Arkham Knight. The conclusion to the Arkham Batman game trilogy is this new edgier anti-hero character Arkham Knight is really Jason Todd. Did we trick you? Because we called him something different. No. Otherwise, it's the same story. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We know. We get it. So, again, initially, the, the, the first couple of years of this character, it was really cool. It was interesting. Um, and then they really, really ran into the ground. Because they only had that one sort of storyline to give the character, and they just kept repeating that over and over. Um, the flip side of that coin, also from the world of comics, uh, for a very long time, Batman and Captain America seemed to just steal each other's storylines. Um, for the longest, the, there was a whole Batman's dead. No, he's not really dead. He's just lost in time. Which, like, the same year we did it, Cap's dead. No, he's not really dead. He's just lost in time. Uh, I could, You can't make this shit up, I'm telling you. Uh, and one of those storylines, uh, literally the same time they were bringing Jason Todd back as Red Hood, in Captain America, we introduced a storyline called, guess where I'm going, Winter Soldier. Where guess what, guys? Winter Soldier, the edgy kind of bad guy anti-hero, was really... Cap's long thought sidekick who's still alive. Never seen that before. I, I have an argument against this too. Well, well I'll, I'll, it's fine. I just, I, I'm telling you the Bucky Barnes Winter Soldier I, thing I, because because this is an example of how correctly to do a retcon. I think those two characters, the same idea. The sidekick who we all thought was dead is really back and now they're kind of a dark, edgier character. That same colonel uh, that same idea done well, Bucky Barnes, Winter Soldier done terrible, Jason Todd, Red Hood, because Bucky Barnes was allowed to after that first storyline of he's back and it's Bucky was allowed to grow and develop and change as a character as it went on. It wasn't just that one story over and over and over again. Yeah. And if you want to elaborate more on that, I'll, I'll let you go. I don't want to step on toes. 
No, no, no. I mean, you're you're right. They 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 did. They they brought him back, <clears throat> and they did it. They did it very well. They 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 gave the character an arc and stuff. But um, there there's there's also another factor that I, that I I think is overlooked a lot in the comics. Uh, okay. But I, I will preface this again that once again, this is not the intention of the author. I'm not arguing that this is what the author wanted to do. The, the, you know, Brew Baker obviously wanted to bring Bucky back mm-hmm. and stuff, and that's fine. I, I completely agree with you. But there is a, a, a another uh, circumstance of Bucky Barnes's being brought back that could be exploited if another author ever wanted to do it and got okay. it from the higher-ups. <clears throat> so, in the story of the Winter Soldier, Cap is the only one who believes that the Winter Soldier is Bucky. Nobody else believes that. They think Cap is chasing ghosts, which he is. Right. He's chasing a ghost from his past. That, that's, that's kind of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But the penultimate, when it comes to a head, because... Because the Winter Soldier doesn't even know who he is. He's got the Swiss cheese memory thing. Right. In order to bring his memories back, Cap uses the the Cosmic Cube. Mm-hmm. Which allows somebody to control and alter reality. And the words that he uses is he, he has the Cosmic Cube and he's there with the Winter Soldier and he says, be the man I know you to be. So you could argue that Cap recreated Bucky. That he wasn't Bucky, but he made him Bucky. Well, fair point. Uh, comics are fucking weird. Uh, how it happened doesn't really matter. What matters is Bucky came back from the dead. Um, because it, it, same with, with the Jason Todd thing, because the first time they brought Jason Todd back was in Hush. And then before Hush was even done, they retconned that. Oh, no, 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 no. It was really, uh, it was really um, Clayface pretending to be Jason Todd. We were just trying to mess with your head. Uh, and then in Judd Winnick's Under the Red Hood, they, they, they had to go back and, oh, yeah, no, I was there when that happened. That's how Clayface knew what to look like. But I was just watching from the sidelines to mess with your head, Batman. Really how I came back was Superboy Prime punched reality. <laughs> Now I'm making that up. That's how he came back. Superboy Prime had a hissy fit, punched reality, and punched Red Hood back into or Jason Todd back into existence, which then got retconned to no, 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 no. Talia found him and he wasn't fully dead yet, even though Batman did every medical test known to man because he's Batman to make sure that that was really Jason and that he was really dead. Uh, Talia found him and she put him in a Lazarus pit and we, we gave Batman a dummy that fooled Batman. She took him to Miracle Max. He was only supposed to be dead. No, she she dumped him in a Lazarus pit, and he had to uh, shake off the effects of the Lazarus pit for about a decade or so. Uh, again, the the means how really doesn't matter because uh, that that gets firmly into the complex or fucking weird territory. Uh, um, of but what what's important is character was for all intents and purposes dead, and their death served a purpose. We decided to bring that character back. And then the, the big caveat there is, okay, cool, they're back. Now what? 
what purpose uh, do they serve now? And that's where I think those two characters differ is Bucky coming back again, regardless of the means, uh, went on to serve a purpose, literally taking up at, at certain points in the story. Uh, Red much. They changed his outfit a couple times. That's about it. Well, John. Yes, Jason. I'm going to piggyback off of your, hey, let's bring people back from the dead. Oh, it's the best kind of retcon. With my first retcon. And it's actually a literary slash movie retcon. Okay. So, fans of the author, Michael Crichton, Uh will remember a great book written about uh, bringing dinosaurs back from the dead. A little dinosaurs, book, we're back. What, oh, yeah. sorry, different. No. A, a little book you might have heard of called Jurassic Park. Not, not well, timeline. No, <laughs> there's no dinosaurs in timeline. Oh, or, or did uh, I fall asleep before we got to that part? I'm sorry. So in in the book Jurassic Park, uh, there is a character, Doctor Ian Malcolm. Hey, He's I a know ma- that guy. He's a mathematician. Uh, who, uh, chaotician. chaotician. He, his main focus is chaos theory. And main focus is to annoy John Hammond. Yeah. <laughs> so if uh, me being a math teacher, I've actually had a run-in with chaos theory. And the basically the shorthand version of chaos theory is not what he says with the butterfly flapping its wings. Uh Chaos theory is finding probability of events that are incredibly unlikely to happen, but could potentially. So, for example, finding the probability that at any point in time, the Earth will fly out of its orbit around the sun and become a rogue planet just moving through the solar system. That's unfortunate gas bills for heating my house. (laughs) That that is that's that's basically the premise of chaos theory that's when commander anyway. scott goes mm, keep talking <laughs> so anyway ian malcolm yeah. studies yes. chaos and so they bring him in and he you know he's as a uh oh like a what's the word i'm trying to think of consultant a consultant. there you go he's a consultant uh for ingen for this park for its you know whether or not it can survive and make it and they Bring him in because he's good with this kind of statistical thing of figuring out what could go wrong. Right. And he's right, which is what's crazy. I mean, it's not crazy. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been that great of a book or movie. So in the book, Ian Malcolm is uh, attacked by the T-Rex. And it's actually in a moment of cowardice on his part, not like in the film. And uh, he ends up in getting injured severely, and he spends the rest of the book in a bed in the hotel, um, spouting off random philosophy and mathematical facts and theory about chaos, right? And he's being tended to by Dr. Harding, the veterinarian. And at the end of the book, you find out Dr. Ian Malcolm dies. Of course, he's being intended to by a veterinarian. Yes, his injuries are too severe. (laughs) His injuries are too severe. He just sort of fades off 
and doesn't make it. And then the rest of the book happens. Well, then they turned it into a movie. And that goddamn Jeff Goldblum <laughs> did such a wonderful job portraying Ian Malcolm. And in the movie, they didn't have him die. They had him survive all the way to the end. And so then when Michael Crichton was sort of, he was in the process of writing The Lost World, but he wasn't going to write it until after the movie came out to see how the reception was towards the film, if it was worth the sequel for the book. And when the fans found out, like when he found out how much the fans loved Dr. Ian Malcolm and Jeff Goldblum, he's like, you know what? I want him back in case they make a sequel. So retcon Ian Malcolm, he actually survived. So when the Costa Rican air force showed up to evacuate the survivors, they had prematurely claimed that he was dead and some really great doctors apparently brought him back from the brink of death to be the main star of the lost world. I hate it when I get prematurely declared dead. Right. Uh, Such a bummer. Yeah. You got to tie the bell to your big toe so you can ring the bell when you're buried alive. (laughs) So this was my first choice because it was my first, I guess, real experience with being, having a retcon because I read, yeah. I saw the movie, I read the book. Yep. And when I read the book, I was like, wait, Malcolm dies? He didn't die in the movie. And I was like, okay, so he dies in the book. And then I started reading The Lost World, and I'm like, wait a minute. Did There's a lot more deaths here? in the book, yeah. Wait a minute here. So, like, I mean, in Hammond, Jurassic, Hammond okay. dies, Malcolm dies. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Dr. guy with, dies. The guy with the baseball cap. Mm-hmm gets eaten i can't think of it he's always wearing like a giant's baseball cap or something the uh the the park tour guy dude yeah he he yeah, the junior yeah. rex eats him yeah. yeah there's a ton of people who end up dying there's yeah yeah but uh no you're right uh, that's a good call jay good catch on that one and yeah so it was like i said it was my first experience with actual retcon where i was like wait a second here this is not right something's weird here uh, well, but huh? they brought him back because fans sure did. said, hey, Jeff Goldblum, he's a delight. We want more Jeff Goldblum. He is a national treasure. So that was my first choice for a retcon. Uh, I like it. Commander Scott? Got well, juicy for us? I'm sure you do. When it, when it comes to retcons, mm-hmm. things of that nature, some of them I don't mind because... Some of them I can kind of understand, um, like like the one that you know uh, Doc just just mentioned. The the author of the original work wanted the character back because he was popular and and stuff, and so he he wrote in <clears throat> the next book a way to to change what he had written. Okay, I get that, but there are some that I just oh god I hate, and the one at the top of my list, the top of my just I can't stand this list. Even though it had two great movies, well, yeah, two great movies. I'll say that. Uh, but I hate everything else about this franchise. Is Terminator? Oh, 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 oh boy! Oh, strap movie, in, kids. Here we go. Every <laughs> movie 
just ignores the previous continuity and retcons because apparently the authors and the writers of these movies can't figure out how to, you know, write stuff going forward without just changing everything. So in the first movie, we establish that, you know, we, we get the, the, the rise of the machines in the future, the resistance, blah, blah, blah. They, they have time travel. There's a facility. The, the resistance attacks it. Uh, in in order to send a protector back because they found out that the machines were sending a, a Terminator uh, uh, back to kill Sarah Connor, the mother of the leader of the resistance, John Connor. Um, and it's it's established in that movie that they couldn't send Reese back with any weapons because the only thing that can that can go through the 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 time machine that the machines had created was either living living tissue or something wrapped in living tissue. Um, like the, 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 the Terminator himself, who, who is, who is a, a metal uh, endoskeleton with living tissue over top, so it can go through. Um, however, they could only send one person back because literally the attack on the facility destroys the facility. So that's all they could send back, was just one. It's, it's a great movie. It's a great 80s movie. Yeah. Made tons of money. So then we go with Terminator 2. Hey, let's do it again. Well, but what about the, 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 the time travel? The time machine was just... We'll just ignore that. Now, if you read the novelization, you find out that both, you know, Cal uh, Reese and the, uh, the, the modified Terminator were sent back on the same day. So the so the facility was still destroyed, but once again, that's in the novelization. It was never mentioned on screen for the movie. That, that was intended to be the opening of the movie. Was the, the big sequence in the future war uh, where they would have they would show sending uh, Kyle Reese back. Yeah, but uh, budget, budget. So that whole that whole thing got cut. That's why it's in the novelization because it was in the script. Yeah. And then you get the T one thousand comes back wrapped in a ball of meat. Oh wait, no, he doesn't. <laughs> that one there's no explanation for. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> hey, he's he's liquid metal. Then how was he sent back? Because the technology says you can't do that. Otherwise, the body they send calories back with I don't know weapons. Well, well, what happened was, uh, see, while we were exploring the base before it got destroyed, we found a second room, and it said yeah. "cool time travel technology 2.0. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but we we'd already sent the first ones back uh, uh, before then, so that's. That's what hey, did, happened. Did, did no one look in this closet over here? It it was updating. They, the problem uh, was it was updating. Yeah, they didn't. There was a software. The software update. wasn't downloaded yet, and then they. It took they, too long to read the user agreement before just, the update of the software. Just just and click mistakes. just click agree and send. Just click agree and send. Uh, uh, no, no, you're yeah. absolutely right, Scott. I, I hate the Terminator, and then. It's been a long time since I've seen Terminator 3, but there's a retcon in that one, too. They, they... Never, never, never watch Terminator 3. Never. No. And, and I'll admit, I did not watch the movie that takes place completely in the future, um, nor did I watch the series. So, because well, early I, I was, I'm done with it. It's just... Yeah, I look, I don't blame you, Scott. Uh, T1 and T2, I look at in the same vein as I look at the Evil Dead movies. Um they're both fantastic in their own right, but Terminator 1 is very much, 
Cameron has bigger ideas than the budget will let him put on film. Fast forward a few years. Hey, here's a bunch of money. Because T2 at the time was the most expensive movie ever made. Uh, and at that point, Cameron cared more about what can we do, what story can I tell, than he did about continuity with Terminator 1. So it's sort of like Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2. It's sort of yeah. like, uh, just pick one and jump in from there. Um, so, Scott, when you brought up Terminator, I yeah. actually had I had one on my list as an absolutely terrible retcon. Yeah. And I, I get what you're saying. Like, I agree with you that every movie retcons itself. But I don't think any movie retconned as hard as Terminator Genesis. Really? See. Have you so, seen Dark Fate? I haven't actually seen okay. Dark Fate. What you um, got I, for Genesis? Uh, so what what killed me with Terminator Genesis is, like, it basically eliminated the first and second movie. And it, like... I, they kind of they didn't just jump the shark they jumped the whole damn ocean by sending a <laughs> t-1000 back to kill sarah connor but then they also sent it somebody sent a t-800 to protect sarah connor from the t-1000 so, so did they try to pull a did they, did they try to pull a back to the future too where, where no. you got, got alternate events working no, the, around the, the event. first the first act of Genesis essentially is at because at that point you had T one, two, three, and Selvin. Yeah. So at that point, the timeline of the Terminator series was already, to use your terminology, fucking Swiss cheese. Yeah. Uh, so basically Genesis was like, fuck it, let's just have fun with it. Uh there's a line uh, I think Sarah says to the new cast Kyle Reese, the future you were sent back to protect no longer exists. Essentially, the timeline has been fucked with so much that there is no pure prime timeline anymore. Patchwork. And the first 30 minutes, it makes no sense, but it's kind of fun. Yeah. Because we're basically remix editioning uh, famous parts of T1 and T2 and just playing with the timeline and, and fuck it, let's just have fun with it. And then... The problem is, after Act 1, we try to make all that make sense. Yeah. They go back to a regular Terminator movie. And apparently Skynet now controls your phones and TVs and radios and also nuclear missiles. So, yeah, good the, times. The problem with every Terminator movie, every Terminator movie, is it is the same plot. It is yeah. machines come back in time. They try to kill somebody. Someone comes back to protect them. We we exposit for Act Two. Act Three is we're gonna take down Skynet and in the process fight the bad guy off. And that worked okay in T One. T Two got away with it because there's enough new cool stuff thrown at you. Like you don't really pay attention to the fact that the plot structure is exactly T One over again. Okay, fine, whatever, cool, it's fun. Uh, explosions and liquid metal and yay. T T Three exact same fucking plot. Yeah. Salvation. <laughs> And this is why I say Salvation's worth a watch. It skips over all that. Uh, yeah. There's no time travel in Salvation. It's all in one time period. It's all like the early future war. Uh, I get people didn't like it, but fine. Uh, and then Genesis and Dark Fate, same fucking movie. Um, one note that I wrote under Terminator Genesis is that basically Terminator Genesis gave the middle finger to the entire Terminator series. Oh, no, sir. 
I'm going to ruin Dark Fate for you right now. Oh, no, I know. They already they killed John Connor well, in the well, opening act. Fuck but... sakes, steal my thunder. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I already know. I already know. I just, I haven't watched it. I just know it's dog shit. So. Well, and here's the thing. And I'm going to, even though Jade totally pulled the rug out from under me and stole my thunder on it. So, yeah, the opening five minutes of Dark Fate. Uh, it's right after the events of T2 and Sarah and young John are hiding out and another T 800 that looks just like Arnold Schwarzenegger shows up and pulls out a shotgun and kills John Connor first five minutes of the movie. And as an audience member, I was like, well, that's a bold strategy, cotton. Let's (laughs) see how it plays out because, and here's my thing with retcons. Um, Making big changes to continuity isn't necessarily a bad thing if that becomes a springboard for more stories or deeper stories or more interesting things. If if yeah. you're making a change like that, the, the bigger the change you're making, the bigger the springboard better be for future stories and future outcomes. Well, and so sitting right there watching the entire reason Every Terminator movie exists up until that point is all about John Connor saving the human race. And we just gunned him down in the first five minutes. I'm like, okay, let's see where they go with this. And where they go with that is fucking nowhere. <laughs> we, uh, a new person becomes the savior of mankind and cut copy of the Terminator movie, except for instead of John Connor, now it's a chick. <laughs> that's, that's dark fate. I just saved you two boobless hours. Well, it's a sled a lot of people forget you know the only reason that t2 got away with it is because of one person you know it, leslie hamilton uh Giarin. I, th- I think i'm saying her last name right i'm not sure that's the only reason t2 got away with it. We, got, we got to see leslie hamilton it. okay from the scene that got cut from the actual movie no she's in the actual movie Her big scene got cut where they're switching over the chip. And huh? they do the fake mirror trick. No, she's she's in the final she's in the the, the final scene of the steel mill. Because remember Sarah comes up behind her. Okay. Because she's because the T one thousand is turned into Sarah Connor to, to, to lure John out and, and then as he's walking toward her in the behind the T one thousand he sees Sarah come up on the, the chain thing with the shotgun. Okay. I haven't watched it long enough. Yeah, she's, she's still in the movie. Okay. Yeah, she had seen the cut, but she's still there. Okay. Did you say Leslie? Do you mean Linda? No, nope. Leslie. But thank you for setting him up for that, Scott. Educate us. <laughs> Leslie Hamilton is, was, excuse me, was Linda Hamilton's twin sister. Oh. So when you see two when you see two Sarah Connors on screen in that movie, um uh it, it wasn't special effects. There there were two of her on set. Huh. Um it, it is her only film credit because she was not an actress. Uh, I forget what she was. Sadly though, she passed away in uh August of this year, so Well. Yeah. You learn something new every day. I'll be honest, I'm surprised you didn't know that. Well, you'd be surprised about a lot of things I don't know. 
Oh. So yeah, the uh, Terminator franchise is uh, full of retcons. Shit show. Yeah, yeah. Really yep. I can't stand those things. Uh, there's a reason I own three Terminator movies of the six that exist now. Yep. Yep. Rise of the Machines, Genesis, and Dark Fate, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, what, what other trilogy would I own? <laughs> we, we call it. We, we call it the. What is it? Uh, run, die, repeat uh, trilogy. Live, die, repeat. The live, die, repeat trilogy. Yes. <laughs> um. Hey, look. While we're talking about movies that completely shit their own bed. Ooh, okay. I got a. I, I came across this one when I was scrolling through trying to come up with something more. I had a bunch of comic book stuff and I wanted to come up with some movie stuff. And as soon as I hit this one, I was like, oh God, I forgot about that. It was so bad. I blocked it out of my memory, uh, even though it's sitting on my shelf. The 80s were weird. I want to preface this with that. The 80s were a weird time. Uh, and no one expected a movie uh, by a first time director starring a uh, French actor about a secret group of immortals who live among humans oh. having sword battles to the death because in the end there could be only one. No one thought that would be a big hit. And it was. Uh, the problem is that story has a de- definite beginning, middle, and end. Spoiler, at the end, the good guy wins the prize. He is the only one. Yay. But it made money. So they're like, hey, director guy, you want to do another one? And he's like, Yeah, in fact, I got an idea. Because never forget, never forget, the director of Highlander 1 also made Highlander 2. And it was so bad, he literally tried to have his name taken off of it and walked out after 15 minutes at the world premiere of his own movie. That's how bad it is. Okay. So Highlander 1 gives us a very vague explanation of the immortals. Uh, They exist. We're not sure why. It's kind of magical. They're not quite sure exactly how it works, but there are people out there in the world who, once you apparently die, you come back, and from that point on, you do not age. You are immortal. The only way you can die is by having your head removed because you're immortal, not invulnerable. Um, And you will be drawn to other immortals because there's an event called the gathering when all those who remain will be drawn to a place where they must fight to the death because in the end there can be only one. Why? Who fucking cares? It's cool. It's got sword fights and shit. Stop thinking about it. But so pretty bare bones. It's, it's an interesting story. It's, it's got, um, but there's enough vagueness in it that you could see doing a sequel. And because these are immortals and they live forever, there's plenty of ways to tell other stories about um, uh, Connor McLeod and the best named character in all of cinema. Say it with me, kids. Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez. They've lived for centuries. There's plenty of stories you could tell, right? Seems like it'd be fairly easy to come up with another story to tell with those characters being immortals and having sword fights. Yeah, somewhere in the hundreds of years they were alive. Yes. So, hey, what if the second one's in the future where Connor's the only immortal left? 
but but there are no immortals in the future. Exactly, he's the only one left. No, 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 no. Because remember, at the end of the first one, the prize was he becomes mortal. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. He's mortal in, one, in the future. No more, yeah. There's no yeah. immortals. So you're saying there's already a problem with this, with having it in the future and having the immortal be mortal? That's not a good place. That's not a good place to start the story. I don't see a problem with this. I'm okay, okay with. Okay. It. We're going to keep going on. So uh, let's say, hey, let's be topical. The ozone, that's the thing, right? So say the ozone layer got depleted and we had to build a giant uh, weird space energy dome around the planet to keep us safe. And there's a big corporation that controls it, but they're they're kind of evil. And and maybe the sun is okay again, but they're just keeping us down because they're making money off of it. Still with me? Still with me? Uh, Everybody's following along? Nope, nope, I'm gone. (laughs) And then say, let's just say that instead of being quasi-supernatural, magical, unknown immortals, the immortals are really aliens. I just imagine the guy from the History Channel when you say that. Thank you. (laughs) From a planet (laughs) called Geist. Where their punishment for doing bad things is that they're sent to Earth where, sort of like Superman, they'll be immortal. So your punishment for misbehaving in this shitty-ass planet that's a desert where there's like a totalitarian government and people are uprising against it. Your punishment from that is to be sent to Earth where you'll live as an immortal. Everybody with me? Mm, mm. Okay. And then our bad guy is the general from that planet who decides to come back to Earth to kill Connor McCloud because reasons. <laughs> and then hold on. Here we go. Here's the big one. Sean Connery. Back. He dies tragically in the first movie. But we want to bring him back. How should we bring him back? Uh, you can just come back. Yeah. There's some, there's some lightning. You, you pop in. Yeah. You to can a just play. come back. Yeah. Because you're really an alien. Yeah. Do you do you pop into a play? That's the important sure, thing. Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right in the middle of a play that you know nothing about, which is we've covered before. It's the one thing about yeah. the like. Um look. <laughs> even on a good day, and I remember watching Highlander 2 having only seen the first one in bits and pieces on TV and thinking, okay, I got to go back and watch the first one. I got to be missing some stuff here. I'm super confused. This is weird. And then in one night I binged all three, because at the time there were only three Highlander movies and being like, okay, so that is just the bastard redheaded stepchild of the franchise because two is so fucking bad. It's so stupid. It's so completely fucks up the mythology of immortals and Highlanders that every subsequent Highlander thing ever, the TV series, the animated cartoon on USA, the direct to sci-fi original movies, all completely ignore two. Yep. In fact, there's a, there's a, there's a line or two in, uh, in the third one that literally just, like discredit the second one completely. Like there's a throwaway line, and I forget what it is now. But they they do call a, like one minuscule moment of attention to it. Well, again, I it's been a while since I've seen in what Endgame. Is that what it was called? No, Endgame is four. Uh, oh. Highlander 
Highlander 3, and I'll argue it should really just be Highlander 2 and ignore 2 exists altogether, is exactly what you thought uh, Highlander would be. Highlander 3, and depending where you live, it's called either Highlander 3, The Next Dimension, Highlander... Sorry, Highlander 3, The Magician, or Highlander 3, The Sorcerer, because depending on what country you live in, it got released under different titles. But it's written as a direct sequel to the first movie that itself kind of retcons, okay, the prize isn't really, um, or Connor didn't really win the prize because he wasn't the last immortal. And within the first, like, 10 minutes of the movie, it explains why he wasn't and oh, sets yeah. up the conflict for that because another immortal that he knew got trapped in a cave. Uh, so, so Connor didn't actually win the prize. He's still an immortal. He's got to fight this guy. Three is the sequel you'd want from you know a sequel uh sadly it doesn't have uh sean connery in it but it is it's more flashbacks to connor's life and and things like that uh and it no mention at all of two i've actually forgotten about this movie yeah my my head went straight to endgame that's fair uh no highlander four is the one where they try to bring connor and duncan from the tv show together uh and it's it's not bad but it's very much like um serenity is to firefly it's very much like a capping off of the tv show um so if you haven't watched the tv show you'll be kind of confused watching highlander endgame but still for the most part yeah everything uh ignores highlander 2 it's that bad (laughs) oh well uh i'm gonna just launch into my next one do it. Uh, I'm going to pitch you guys an idea. Okay. All right. So we made this movie. Okay. Long time ago. We made this movie a long time ago. Maybe in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> and we might have mentioned one tiny piece of information. Okay. And this one tiny piece of information has driven people mad for years and years and years. Can we stretch that idea out into a series of cartoons, comic books, novels, and toys? Uh, well, what we're going to do is we're going to make a movie about okay. this one piece of information. Okay. So it's I I don't know if you want to call it a retcon. I do. It's not so much a retcon as an expansion of the idea. Okay. But what I'm talking about is Rogue One. Okay. Where we took an entire, we made an entire movie about there being a small thermal exhaust port on the Death Star. I actually have this under my good column. I, I it is a good. Re- I I like this movie. I do not the whole movie, but um, I love I the like third it. act. Yes, I love the whole movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't hate the whole movie, but the last act is pretty amazing. It is. And, he goes beautifully off the rails. So I think, to me, the the things that are retconned in this um, are, well, not so much, well, one thing I think is retconned, but one thing they expand on is why there was the exhaust port. So we get the answer well, to that, yeah, which that, I think is pretty that cool. That is the retcon, yeah. Yeah. Because in, in, in New Hope, we're told that they're, they get the plans with hopes to analyze them and find a weakness. <clears throat> Yeah, and then in Rogue One, we're flat out told, "No, you're they're given the plans to show them. Hey, I designed a weakness." Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> All right. 
so, so you have that's basically your premise of the movie is yes. that right but the yeah. thing that i wanted to point out from the retcon like what i considered to be retconned in this it, it happens in the third act mm-hmm. okay it's not it's very long the same same issue i had with the movie go ahead it's, it's not very long not a very long thing that they do but well scott maybe it's not the same thing i don't know we'll see But the first, so the prequel trilogy turned a very dark, sinister figure into a whiny little, meh, look at me type character. And the, like, one of the last times we see this iconic character from the prequels is him screaming, no, like a little wimp, right? So to me, the biggest retcon in this movie is making Darth Vader the badass that he is. Oh, Again, it's not the same thing. Then. Yeah, so that not the same thing is definitely not a retcon. But go with it. <laughs> it's what I get. What it's you're definitely saying. not a retcon, but I'll yeah. let you go with it anyway. Okay, so what I'm it saying is thirty is... seconds of absolute ponage. So yeah, yeah. So what I'm saying is like through the first, or I keep saying the first three, but through the prequels. Like they set up Anakin Skywalker, and then you're like, "Oh God, this guy!" And you just don't want to deal with it anymore. And then by Revenge of the Sith, you're like, "Okay, like I see what's going on here." And then he, you know, he turns into Vader, but you're just left with like a bad taste in your mouth, and you're like, "This sucks." Like this is not how I wanted this to go out for this guy, because like in A New Hope and Empire, he's just a total badass, very dark, sinister character, and and yeah. that. That yeah. 30 seconds of him just whooping everybody's ass in Rogue One made me think to myself, yeah, you know what? This guy, this guy's the real deal. And I mean, like, when he just shows up out of hyperspace and plows into all those ships in his Star Destroyer and just starts blasting shit with, you know what I mean? You're just like, yeah, this guy's a badass. Um, See, so that's the one thing I wanted to point out from it. No. What I don't like about the end of Rogue One, and this, in my opinion, is a retcon, and it's a bad retcon. Uh, well, it's not really a bad retcon. I just, I, it was unnecessary. It was an unnecessary retcon. So it doesn't actually serve a purpose. Is in, in in A New Hope, Vader says several transmissions were beamed to this ship by Rebel spies. What he should have said, apparently, is several transmissions <laughs> were tossed to this ship through an open door. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I, I did not like um um the the, the Corvette, Leia's Corvette camera the, the, the Tantive Four. I did not like the Tantive Four being in the, the, the docking bay of that mothership. I didn't like it being at the fight. You could have easily have written that differently. So you, you could have had them hand off the the uh the, the, the tape to the communications center have the soldiers holding off Vader badly, <laughs> you know, yeah. as, and literally the guy's like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then you see transmission complete. And then the door, you know, and then we have, you know, Vader finishes up with the people out there and he busts the door off the hinges. Then we, we flash to wherever the Tantive four is. And we see the, the dude in the communication system there he, 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 you know, it says download complete. He pulls the tape out. He takes it to Princess Leia. Boom. No retcon. Everything's happy. But no, for some yeah. reason, we have to retcon this. Uh, Once again, that's, the are lazy. Yeah, that's, and that's, 
we know a lot of the third act of that movie got rewritten, so I'd like to think that in the shuffle that was the best they could piece it together. But you're right. When you're writing a, a movie <clears throat> 40-some years after the original, there's no excuse for continuity errors like that. Because I think that's less of a retcon, more of a continuity error, uh, especially if you're supposed to watch that and then immediately pop in New Hope. Um, that just makes it a giant continuity error. Yeah. And there's zero excuse for that when you're writing your movie 40 some years after the yeah. movie you're supposed to be proceeding. Uh, you had zero excuses for that. Scott, yeah. can I make, I just want to make one change. I like what you said. And I would, I would like that too, because like you said, the, there are several transmissions beamed to this ship. Yeah. But instead, the guy who's on the Tantiv, when the file gets complete, instead of saying, you know, download complete, can we get the old school AOL files done? <laughs> Soundbite to <laughs> files done. <laughs> Bing, <laughs> files done. <laughs> it should I'll be allow. the Star Tours chime. <laughs> make that canon. Come on, Filoni, make Star Tours canon. Sorry. <clears throat> um,. Where are we at? Whose turn is it? Uh, Scott. Technically, it's mine. Okay. I just like the discussion, though. But That's yeah. fine. Um, yeah. So, I, I didn't. I didn't really have a lot. Uh, of, I, I don't have like a list of of of, of retcons because I'll be honest. Most of my energy this week prepping for the show was in prepping the the Mando argument. Um, I, had, I had stuff to read and 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 things to watch and stuff. Um, but. <clears throat> There's a recent retcon uh, that just popped up here oh. in the last couple of weeks with uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 3. And it's is, a pretty is it a big spoiler? Retcon. No. Okay. I don't think so. Um, but it's a pretty big retcon. And, and, and first of all, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Did not know that about you. I know. I know. know. Uh, And as we all know, Star Trek fans are quite literally insane. I thought you were going to say the worst. They are the worst. (laughs) They they do not tolerate or handle change well at all. Uh, But they sure do know what they want. This is true. They want everything that they've already got. Like we like that one show. Can you just make that again? <laughs> no, no, we can't. Um, but I mean, Star Trek fans even wrote you know books called the Nitpickers Guide. <laughs> I mean, these people get anal in detail. So when you do these big sweeping, the there, it's a small line. It's one line that drops that retcons an entire episode. And an entire uh, era of Star Trek by one line. Is it Enterprise? Were they fucking with Enterprise? No. Okay. Okay. We'll calm down now. Yeah. So you're back on stun. I am going to do a little bit of spoiler here because it's nothing that that you all don't know. Star Trek Discovery Season 3 takes place uh, um, in the future. 100 and some odd years in the future. and, And. they they basically did that um, to to get away from the Trekkies, so that they wouldn't have to worry about canon. And then literally 
in the first episode. <laughs> they have a line that retcons an entire episode of the original series. Do they phaser themselves in the foot? They don't phaser themselves. Not, 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 not quite that bad. Okay. But, so, Star Trek Discovery Season 1 takes place in the year 2255. Supposedly. Supposedly. The original series, Season 1, is in 2265. So it's 10 years before. Okay? So, the main character, Michael Burnham, she's she's on this planet, she's in the future, and everything, and she's, she meets this character called Book. I think his name's Book. Um, and he, uh, he's kind of, they're, they're, they're conversing, they're back and forth, and he's, she's trying to get information on the future to find out what's been going on, she's trying to, you know, find her crew, she's trying to do all this stuff, uh, and everything, and he's kind of talking, because he's, he's talking to her like she doesn't know what she's talking about, because he doesn't realize she's a time traveler, he's like, where the hell have you been, blah, 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 um, and he mentions the Gorn, something that the Gorn did, because she said, I, she, she said, I came here from, from, uh, through, through a wormhole, and a wormhole, you created an artificially, they, did you learn nothing, the Gorn destroyed almost an entire sector experimenting like that, and she says, the Gorn did what? The Federation hadn't met the Gorn yet. She should have no clue who the Gorn are. Do we get to see them on screen? No, we don't. Well, then I, then I agree. I hate it. So, <laughs> don't get to see any Gorn on screen. We do get to see a lot of uh, a lot of Andorians on screen, though. You need to, you need to watch. Uh, and they're, they're mean-looking Andorians, too. They're not happy. Uh, I don't want you back, but I want my giant lizard people. But, yeah. So there's an original series episode, uh, season one, uh, episode uh, 18, called Arena, uh, where an unknown alien force attacks a Federation outpost. Um, The Enterprise gives chase to this unknown alien race, unknown alien configuration, never been encountered before in 2265. Yet apparently, this commander, Michael Burnham, from 10 years prior, that they should have just gone to her, because apparently she knows who the hell the Gorn are. Uh, once again, there's no reason for the retcon. It's just the writers not realizing what they're writing. Yeah, that sounds more, again, less like a retcon, more like a continuity error. <laughs> but, it does, but it does retroactively change continuity now, because obviously somebody knew who the Gorn were. We don't know the extent or the, the, the blah, 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 but continuity has been changed. Fair enough. Now, I agree. It was literally because of human error, and you've got writers that are just, the Gorn did what? That's a good line for her to say. You all not seen Star Trek? No, no, it's right. Right, right, it is. Fuckers. <sighs> nice. Fair enough. Uh... <clears throat> Let me jump back on it. Let's, let's because look, continuity or retcons, they're easy to find bad ones. There's a lot of bad retcons out there. Let's get into ones that uh, I think is a good retcon. Because uh, again, my whole thing with retcons is if you're going to change something, does it have a purpose? Do you have a story to tell that requires that retcon? Killing John Connor. They fucking screwed the pooch with that one. They had no cool story to tell with that. The story they had to tell was the exact same story. Of John Connor. We just wanted to tell it again with somebody new. Um, this one 
gives rise to an entire franchise. And you might have been able to do it without it, but thank God they did. Because everything iconic about this franchise, I'm going to go ahead and take this stance, comes after the second movie. Talking about Friday the 13th, part two, that (laughs) retcons that Jason Voorhees didn't die. And not just, oh no, the scene at the end where he pops up out of the water. No, that's a dream. Go back and rewatch part one. That is a dream sequence. Shot as a dream sequence. In the movie, it is a dream sequence. He's not in, in Friday one. He is dead. Friday two, and they never fucking explain it. Not only did Jason, and it's not just he's alive again. It's he never died because Jason was a child in Friday part two. He's a full grown adult. He's a full something. <laughs> he's, he's he's a full grown whatever he is uh living in the woods uh with a weird trying to his dead mom who again doesn't explain how what he's been up to how he managed to get to gargantuan sizes living off you know whatever he finds in the forest they don't bother explaining any of that it's just he's alive he's the killer now uh his motivation is to revenge on people for killing his mom, even though the people he's getting revenge on had nothing to do with the death of his mom. It's fine. It's fine. His mom's trying to get revenge for the death of her son, who isn't dead. Uh, and and again, the people she's getting revenge on had nothing to do with the death of her son. So continuity is already kind of fast and loose. But uh, <laughs> it's because of this change that the entire Friday franchise is then born because Jason Voorhees becomes the icon of that franchise, even though he doesn't become the iconic looking Jason till part three, uh, it's a very evolving franchise to get to, um, I'd say four is the first one that is really iconically what you think of when you think of a Friday the 13th movie with the gore and the mask and Jason and the, 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 the boobies uh, four is when it really hits. This is what you expect until then we're kind of building and figuring out what we are. Um, so definitely a retcon. Does it retroactively ruin the first movie? Kind of, uh, but it's okay. Cause we're on to bigger and better things. It was a retcon that served the purpose of telling more stories. Um, yeah, four I like four. Four was the the the, the iconic Friday the Thirteenth. It's, it's it's no part six, but it's pretty good. Well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> four has got Corey Feldman, you know. Yeah, no, again, four. If if you you're sitting now with a group of people and you say, let's watch your Friday the Thirteenth movie, part four is going to be what everyone expects a Friday the Thirteenth movie to be. It has all the iconic elements you expect from a Friday movie. Uh, I love part six, but I will openly admit because of the censors and trying to get that movie in R rating, it loses a lot of the gore. It loses the nudity. It loses a lot of the edge you expect, but it makes up for that with the quirky stuff, but that's a whole different topic. But no, four is definitely um, exactly what you expect from a Friday the 13th movie. And again, we don't get to that if we don't retcon into that. Jason not only is alive, but Jason never died. Yeah. Is which one's the one with the guy in the wheelchair? Four. Okay. Or, no, that's not four. No, that's three. That's three. 
Yep. Yeah. Um, now, uh, with um, with four though, one thing I cannot figure out, and 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 I've seen this movie a, a few times, not a lot, but probably three, maybe four times, you know. And I look every time, and I still can't figure it out. Is where in that movie is Corey Haim? They hide him so well. Corey uh, Haim in part yeah. three? No, part four. Part four. Yeah. Corey Feldman's there. I see him. I can't uh-huh. see Corey Haim anywhere. I don't think he's in it, Scott. No, no. Corey Feldman's there. Y- yes, yes. Corey, Corey Haim's there, too. Actually, I'll be. I don't. I don't think that's actually a thing, Scott. Yeah, yeah. I, uh... one's there. The other, the other one's there. Okay, well then, riddle me this. Yeah, where is Corey Haim in the Goonies? Well, I, I don't know. Okay. So once again, they they, they hide him so well. Okay. Well, it's now like... you've got your homework. So next week, I want you to tell us. <laughs> I'll see if I can find Corey Haim. I'll, I'll see if I can find him in the Goonies between now and next week. Okay. No reason little time for time. I've got at least one more I want to get to, though. So who else has uh, uh, you want to address? Okay. The, uh, this uh, it falls in the bad category. It's fine, dude. So does mine. Well, mine was um, Alien 3. Huh? Alien 3. Never heard of it. Um, That'd so be a that, cool movie. I should definitely make an Alien 3. Right. So the big <laughs> retcon in that is uh how the hell did the queen get two eggs hidden on that ship that's you, you see when when a queen and a daddy alien really love oh, each right, other right right yep 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 uh, <laughs> got it <laughs> but see said, ah. the really shitty thing about that is you spend that the entire time that the queen is on the ship in aliens you're with her. You know where she's at the whole time. Apparently and then not. In, and then in Alien 3, they're like, oh, no, no, no. She hid two eggs on two completely different areas of the ship. <sighs> That's what she did. Um, but that's, yeah. I just wanted to bring really that bad. one up. Because that was never supposed to be the story in the first place. So <laughs> that was a 11th hour, last minute, stupid idea. Once again, uh, lazy writing. Yeah. Well, lazy something. <laughs> but go ahead, John. What's your. Uh, all right. So I hate this one because it's going to force me to say something nice about a movie that I hate. Well, we're going to finish this where we started this in a galaxy far, far away a long time ago. Metachlorians? No. (laughs) (laughs) Never say anything nice about metachlorians. Other than it's less stupid than the one I'm about to bring up. Uh So I despise The Last Jedi. I hate Ryan Johnson as a filmmaker. I think he's more preoccupied with defying your expectations than telling a logical story. Looper sucks. I like Brick. I won't say anything bad about Brick. Um, uh, what was a Knives Out sucks. It's a who done it? Who tells you who done it? Thirty minutes in, 
Fuck you, Ryan Johnson. I like Knives Out. You would. I liked that movie. Um, Last Jedi, I cannot stand. It derailed the entire fucking Star Wars franchise. Come at me. I don't give a shit. It did. Uh, I'm not saying Force Awakens was amazing, but it at least built a foundation you could build stories on. And then Rise of Skywalker, or sorry, uh, Last Jedi, that that first scene where Luke just takes the uh, Skywalker saber and throws it over his shoulder, that's Ryan Johnson with the whole Star Wars franchise. Meh, who cares? Yeah. But, and it hurts me to say this. <clears throat> it does, because I'm going to say something nice about this movie. Uh-oh. One thing it did that tickled me and I loved and I thought was the right direction to go in was the big reveal about the parentage of Rey. And in Last Jedi, we're told her parents were nobody. It didn't matter. They weren't really important. Uh, They were junk traders, whatever. It doesn't matter. I loved that. And here's why. In A New Hope, detach A New Hope from everything else. A New Hope as a movie. You're you're sitting down to watch Star Wars, your first ever Star Wars whatever. You watch it. You're exposed to it for the first time. And it's the story of a farm boy who dreams of adventure, leaving the farm and going out and having an adventure. And as the movies, the trilogy goes on, he becomes the savior of the universe. He becomes the Jedi Knight warrior hero he always dreamed of becoming. He did that coming from from small, humble beginnings. That I love. And you can kind of do the same thing uh, with Anakin. He's a slave on Tatooine who dreams of bigger things, who ends up destroying the galaxy. Same story, flip side of the same coin. So I love the idea, and the thing that pissed me off after Force Awakens is everyone is assuming Rey had to be related to somebody we knew. She's a Kenobi. She's a Skywalker. She's a Solo. What? That doesn't make sense. Uh, <laughs> she's a Calrissian. That makes even less sense. Uh, they're all out there. Everyone had a theory, and it was all she's related to somebody else we already knew. And I hated all those, because I was like, that goes against the whole what Star Wars is, which is it doesn't matter where you came from. It matters what you choose to become. And I love the idea that Ray's parents don't matter what matters is who ray is and then rise of skywalker retcons that by letting us know that she's palpatine's granddaughter god that was horrible it was was horrible which raises a million goddamn questions that i don't want to think about the answers because they involve somebody fucked palpatine no i I, I can i I can explain this one i'm sure you can i don't want to hear it that's fine I'd rather hear you explain the chainsaw surgery uh, cesarean <laughs> section than explain that to me. <laughs> That's a callback joke. It is. I, I hate it for so many reasons, but first of all, being, again, the point of Star Wars is, is it doesn't matter who you are, who where you came from, it matters who you choose to become. Superman. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. I couldn't help myself. Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Suck it. And, and I agree. It, it, it's a horrible retcon. It, it's shit. It's it's bad. It, it should never have been done. Um, but that is not the worst retcon in that movie, sir. <laughs> okay. You are overlooking the bigger retcon. 
please, anything to distract me from saying nice things about Last Jedi. <clears throat> the biggest retcon in uh, uh, The Last Jedi, right? The, the last one. That's The Last Jedi, right? Yeah. The Rise of Skywalker? Oh, sorry, Rise of Skywalker. Uh, see, I, I can even get the titles wrong because I care that little about them. But the, the, the biggest retcon in The Rise of Skywalker is light speed skipping. Because apparently... It, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Pause, 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 pause. Pause? <clears throat> yeah, pause, pause, hold on. <clears throat> hey, everyone. Welcome to Nitpicking with Commander Scott. Commander Scott, take it away. <laughs> so apparently, in A New Hope, we, we, we have traveling through hyperspace ain't like dusting crops. We need precise calculations. We get all the way to the rise of Skywalker to, I guess it's exactly fucking like rising, you know, like, like dusting crops. It's almost like planetary roulette. We got to get away. Light speed. Oh, I don't like this planet. Come on, safe haven. Nope, don't like this planet. And okay, we're here. They're in hyperspace for like a second and a half, two seconds each jump, and they're going from planet to fucking planet to planet to planet to planet. Light speed is slow. It requires, you know, calculations and space routes and navigation and, and stuff. You don't just throw a damn lever and get, you know, random planet. It's the dumbest thing ever. It's just it's stupid. It's, it's not even lazy writing. It's just it, it, it's throwing ideas at a dartboard or something. I don't even know what the fuck it is. But, yeah, but bullshit, complete and utter bullshit. And this has been the Nitpicker's Guide to Star Wars with Commander <laughs> Scott. No, dude, uh, I, I still think uh, Ray's parentage might be a little bigger, but uh, no, you're right. Uh, that's uh, uh, and, and look, if they were doing that in not the Millennium Falcon, I might write it off as it's been 30 years. Maybe we've perfected or advanced technology, but they're literally doing it in the ship that's been described as a hunk of junk since the first time we saw it 30 years in the past. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, know. Yeah. Oh, well. That's Come on, it. Jay. Give us a, a retcon from Rise of Skywalker you hated. Hmm. Uh, just just the, throw a rock, the, you'll hit one. <laughs> the fact that you can transfer items through the force. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> hey, I have a spare lightsaber. Here you go, Kylo. You take this one. <laughs> I've got another. And Scott, see, see, Scott, what was happening was Poe uh, has an ability where he can re-roll. Oh. Uh, and he didn't like his location, so he just kept re-rolling. Uh, oh, it's like and that now I'm thinking about it. Like that scene with uh what is it, Adam Driver? Yeah. Is that his name? Yeah. Like where he's fighting off the Knights of Ren. That's awesome. If he had his own lightsaber to begin with. But like, hey, force magic. I'm gonna give you this lightsaber. I got Leia's lightsaber. Ha ha. Fuck you. I'm, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and quote the force awakens that's not how the force works <laughs> that's not how any of this works <laughs> yeah who knew how prophetic han solo was in summing up pretty much that entire trilogy 
in that one line. Oh boy. Oh man. So, so I'd still rather watch Rise of Skywalker than ever watch Last Jedi again, though. But that's just me. Um, okay, quick fire, rapid fire. Um, good, good retcons I didn't talk about. Uh, Halloween 2018, completely ignoring everything except the first movie. Good job. Um, bad retcons. Uh, Spider Man, one more day. Everything about it. Um, if you don't know what that is, Google it. Uh, and then Spectre, uh, revealing that Bond and Blofeld are really brothers. Oof. Okay. Fucking stupid and unfit. Can't wait to see how that doesn't play out in uh, uh, No Time to Die. Okay. <laughs> yep. Uh, I had to. You know, Doctor Evil. I used to think you were insane, but now I can see your nuts. Oh my god. Oh my god, Jay. What? Bond stole the story idea from fucking Austin Powers. Oh, yeah, I, re- I saw that article when researching uh, Rick. Oh, my God. That just now hit me. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. PC stands for personal computer. I just this moment got that. <laughs> the files are. Tell me what that line is from. I'll pay you a dollar. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, nope, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Or is that uh, Sudden Realization Stanley meme or whatever it's called? Yeah, I need, I need that one. Yeah. Did it, John, did it hit you like a ship that's out of fuel going into light speed through a dreadnought? <laughs> Fucking bullshit. <laughs> okay. All right. Jane, stop this crazy thing. If we don't get off, we're going to be here all night. Yeah. Um, so, look, we're not necessarily, uh, we don't hate retcons. We just think there needs to be a reason behind it. And uh, I think you guys agree that the bigger the change you make, there better be a really good reason for making that change. Uh, just like the further back in the timeline you go and change things, there better be a reason for. Um, but did you like this episode? Uh, let us know because we can do multiple <laughs> complaining about stupid retcon episodes. Um, uh, are there some we missed you want to hear us talk about? Let us know. Uh, thank you, Doc, for joining us. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Commander Scott, uh, for putting on your nitpick hat. I try. I kind of want that to be a recurring theme now. Is the nitpicker's guide to whatever topic we're talking about today. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, I might thank just you. Ret- I might just retcon myself back out of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the listeners are going to wish they could, uh, but thank you if you're still here for sticking around this long. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been your weekly nerd alert.